Well, this is Richard C. Wilson of the Family Office Club. Today we're doing a member spotlight interview with uh, Prateek Sharma from Bridge Tower. Welcome, Prateek. Hi, Richard. How's it going? Good. How are you today? Doing well, man. Doing well. Thank you. Great. And uh, can you tell us a little bit about Bridge Tower and what you do? Yeah. Uh, Bridge Tower is a uh, vertically integrated single-family rental asset manager. Uh, we have 1,700 doors across Texas, primarily Dallas, Houston, Austin. As well as, and an additional 300 homes under construction in Charlotte. Um, our uh, returns have been, have matched or slightly lagged the total return of the SP 500 since inception in 2013. Okay. Um, so, just off the top of my head, you guys underwrite, you know, we'll talk about what's going on during the pandemic in a second, but mm -hmm. normally, are you underwriting returns for investors at kind of that 8 to 10% a year type return? And what's kind of the ballpark of what you aim for? Yeah, so we, uh, the threshold for us to actually pencil uh, a deal is uh, we look to underwrite to a six cap um, and then we use very conservative leverage. So we'll typically okay. do one third equity, two thirds debt. And so the total return over time when you factor in home price appreciation, which we conservatively use maybe two, two and a half percent a year in the Dallas Fort Worth area, that's very low. Um, right. That total return winds up being 11 and a half to investors okay. uh, annualized. Okay, great. And obviously, it's a um, relatively low, low risk strategy compared to um, new real estate development or, you know, biotech or venture capital, etc. So I'm sure that's part of the reason why you've been able to grow to 1700 homes. Um, you know, what, what do you think is really your value add process that's allowed you to scale to that level? Because I've heard of many firms that do what you do, and they have 100, 200, 400 homes, but uh, it seems like you guys are really getting to scale. You must be doing a few things right all of the time to kind of keep on growing. Yeah. So, you know, this is kind of that question that people typically ask, like, what's your edge, right? Like, why are you better than the other guy down the road? And, you know, I'm going to liberally paraphrase uh, Howard Marks from Oak Tree over here. Uh, he, you know, one of his recent write-ups, he uh, uh, basically talked about the rules of uh, games of chance with actual investing, right? And the key right. fact was, how do you make, better decisions, right? And just because you make a better decision doesn't necessarily mean you'll have a better outcome, but it increases the likelihood that your outcomes will be better over time. And so the three factors that kind of really weigh in to making better decisions are either the existence or non-existence of information and information asymmetry that may exist. Uh, and there's luck, and luck is fickle, obviously. You know, sometimes it's on your side, right. sometimes it's against you. And the third is skill. And, uh, you know, in the single family rental real estate market, um, once you get above a certain size, there is no real information asymmetry. Yeah, sure, the mom and pop operators don't necessarily get the same look at deals that we get. But once you get above several hundred homes, everybody's looking at the same set of data. And like I said earlier, luck is fickle. So it really comes down to skill of operation. And we are value right. investors at heart. Uh, we definitely look to build in a massive margin of safety whenever we come in. And we built with the future in mind. So basically, a lot of the technology and systems that we use to operate our portfolio is typically what you would see in these large multifamily developments. Uh, right. You don't really see that in single family. We brought that into single family. So as of hmm. now, it, we basically need one FTE to manage about 150 homes, uh, which okay. uh, is a lot, lot better than our competition. So it's really just conservative approach, skill of execution, leveraging technology to its full scale, and then executing and sticking to your core principles. Okay, interesting. Do you have any portion of your portfolio that's um, Airbnb or is it all long-term rental or do you do extended rentals for executives? 
Oh, it's uh, it's interesting you asked that question about Airbnb because that actually talks to uh, to our um, to kind of one of our edges, if you will. Uh, no, we do not do uh, any short-term rentals. Uh, these are basically these homes are uh, workforce housing in uh, urban infill areas, roughly 20 to 25 minutes from downtown. They're about 1,800 square feet. We build them from scratch. Um, about half the portfolio is that way. The other half is stuff we legacy projects or product that we uh, acquired. Um, we have a uh, private equity partner who has committed $100 million in equity mm -hmm. to us to do certain projects, assuming it meets their, their thresholds. Okay. They reached out to us and asked us, why aren't you guys doing Airbnb? The IRRs are through the roof on this thing, you know? Right, so right. we actually took the time to see, okay, how does it work? What's the churn rate? What do you need to do in terms of specialty services? What are the commissions to Airbnb and so on and so forth? And it turned out the deal only penciled properly if you assume pretty rosy condition, right? right. And um, so we passed on it. And um, you know, just yesterday, the Airbnb announced uh, they're laying off a quarter of the workforce. Uh, all of these right. super hosts who built these many, many empires of real estate, we'll probably be dealing with them in the future, but most likely in the foreclosure process, 12 to 18 months down. Right, right, yeah, interesting. And um, how have you been scaling your firm? I know some groups in your space have a, a fund and they do a fund and then another fund 18 months later, et cetera. Others allow people to come in on like a group of 50 or 100 homes being purchased at a time. Mm -hmm. um, how have you decided to structure? Is there one option? Is there multiple options for investors? I'm just kind of curious how you've put that together. Sure. So, you know, we basically have two groups of investors or two different group okay. investor profiles, right? So for the individual high net worth individual, we have a separate limited partnership set up and we've just launched our ninth uh, LP. Uh, and okay. then for institutions uh, or a family office that wants to commit, you know, a meaningful sum of capital, we would do a special purpose entity just for them. And uh, our focus right now uh, is really on the build to rent side. Okay. Um, the uh, the yields are ex uh, exceptional. And then when you're looking to operate a portfolio for a decade plus, uh, when you design it and build it yourself, the operational uh, expenses over right. time are so much more manageable. Plus, you know where to find that extra door handle, that extra, you know, whatever that breaks, right? Well, you standardize fixtures, you standardize design, and that's kind of what we're doing uh, in response mm -hmm. to the, uh, the pandemic. Uh, plus, your roof doesn't break within it or leak within its first five years. Your refrigerator <laughs> doesn't break within the five to seven year period. So your, your, right. original, original, your initial ramp up process is a much more efficient. Hmm. So you're capturing the arbitrage of developing single-family residential, but you're also lowering the costs because uh, you're buying in bulk light fixtures and you're reducing your headaches of a pipe bursting, insulation being poor, water water heater, whatever, right? Causing you a, a pain, right? So you're exactly. lowering costs and increasing. I, I guess um, the trade-off is uh, dealing with construction financing, the patience to develop until fully developed, you know, getting land titled or, or getting land that's already titled. Mm -hmm. I guess you have to gain some new capabilities as well to be able so, to yeah, pull that yeah. off, right? Yeah, well, in 2014, we brought, um, we basically integrated an in-house construction company. And so okay. uh, the leader of that firm is a 40-year uh, experience veteran who used to run a $3 billion book at Guaranteed Bank so he knows how to deal with, uh, you know, developers getting lots, negotiating prices properly, setting up design for rentals, which, you know, you may not think it's, it might be slightly counterintuitive, but rental de uh, home design for rentals versus for ownership is actually quite different. And mm -hmm. uh, the stuff you put inside um, really makes a difference. Uh, and it makes, right. it's like, how do you create a more attractive product? 
for your sure. answer. It's terrible as well, I'm sure. Um, yeah, interesting. Well, let's get back to the questions I was meaning to ask you. I was just kind of more, more curious digging into a few of those things there. Um, what would be the number one due diligence question somebody should be asking someone such as yourself? And maybe you get this question sometimes. Maybe nobody ever asks you it, but they should be if they knew what you knew. What's that number one question? Uh, it's actually um, what I would tell any investor right now who's looking at single family rental real estate. Uh, and it's a very fragmented market. I mean, there's 15 million single family rental homes, about two to 3% of those are owned by institutional managers like ourselves. Uh, the <laughs> first thing I would tell somebody is ask your investment manager, how much are they investing on an annual basis in their operating company? Because you know, a lot of the, this trend really started probably in 2012, 2011, post great financial crisis. Right. And at that point, the valuations were, I mean, you could basically, even if you didn't operate efficiently, your just home price appreciation and that arbitrage that you had just from buying in distress, would, you know, basically everything would be fine. So a lot of right. groups came out that didn't really build a operating company to actually manage and own and maintain and lease and service right. these properties. So who's really, how often are they investing? How much are they investing? And what are they investing in? Are they investing in more salespeople, more tech, uh, things to that effect? So, I mean, we are very, very heavily uh, leveraging technology across the board in our, at our firm. Uh, I mean, going virtual was not a problem because we were born virtual and got an office right. a year or two afterwards. So. Right, right. And how's uh, rent collections been going in during the pandemic, like in March and April? So March uh, was actually great. It was uh, 97% of people paid. Uh, there were some late payments, but they had late fees and everything else, 97% paid. Uh, April, the numbers are still trickling in. Um, if you had to hold me to a number, I'd say we're probably in the high 80s. Uh, okay. But until the 10th, um, I don't think uh, I can say with confidence that we won't exceed that to get into the low 90s. And that would still be considered, given the environment. Um, some, I, I, I feel good about that. And I think that's a tribute to our operations team who proactively lead uh, reaches out to tenants, hey, are you going to have trouble? Uh, how can we work this out? Uh, would it help you if you paid half in cash, half with your credit card, things to that effect. And so, uh, right. you know, that builds customer loyalty, but at the same time, you know, make sure that, you know, the revenues continue to flow so we can meet our obligations to our lenders and to our investors. Yeah, that's smart. That's smart. I know my, my landlord just reached out um, and said the opposite. It's like, oh, full rent is due. Uh, so it you know, make sure you pay on time and you know, which we did, yeah. but I uh, imagine that's a tough letter for some to get. I bet some were like, well, good luck getting it from me. Cause you know, our business is shut down, uh, et cetera. So it's um, amazing, Richard, the, uh, the human, uh, the human aspect It's like, you know, the kind of the golden rule, just be a decent human being. We don't send letters. Right. We call and say, Hey, how are you right. doing? Everything. All right. I mean, you know, people want to work with you. Nobody, you know, despite what, you know, some people say in the media and on the Twitter sphere and everything else. Americans aren't deadbeats. Uh, Americans aren't lazy. They want to work. So people want to meet their obligations, especially for right. their home. They want to do it with dignity. And as long as you can operate with that mindset, uh, I think you'll over time go much further. Yeah. Yeah. I don't agree. Um, so what's the, the last question here? Your $100,000 piece of advice for anyone looking to invest either in real estate or single family residential rentals or in real estate development. You've learned a lot there probably. What's something that you wish you knew a decade ago? Wow. Um, the decade ago questions kind of thrown me. I was thinking that uh, the $100,000 piece of advice that I have right now is you have to think, what kind of world are we living in on a moving forward basis? So I look at multifamily constructions at a 33-year cyclical peak. And right. um, 
how many people actually want to share elevators, common spaces, and that right. sort of thing with others, given, you know, the unknown nature of how this virus spreads and, you know, the, we don't know when it's going to be over, uh, whether it's sure. six months, six days, or you know, a year and a half. And so I think single family homes are definitely a, an attractive place to be, and especially on the rental side, because it gives people the flexibility. But the main thing I would say is that, you know, as a student of history, and I wasn't born in 1971, uh, thank God, mm -hmm. but, uh, you know, if you look at the 70s as an, uh, as an era, uh, I think we're probably coming back into a similar kind of macroeconomic situation, which probably, I guess you would describe it as stagflation. So you're going to have low growth, inflation, uh, and you, know, you can see it in the commodity situation right now. Um, you basically have not a uh, demand uh, push, uh, demand pull inflation on that side. You're really seeing it more on the production has been shut down. And so uh, in those types of environments, real estate does really, really well. So I think align yourself with a good operator, somebody who really invests in the business, operates for the long term, isn't looking to make flip, flip things and make a quick buck, and uh, somebody who's really got a lot of skin in the game. Right, right, great. Yeah, I appreciate you sharing that. It, it amazes me how many investors I know who invest in fix and flip or their own little private lending, hard money lending thing but it's to a guy doing like one house a year or three houses a year. And it's like, he has no team. He's got a couple of 1099s and it's not professionalized at all. And, uh, and it plays several bets with people like that. And in their mind, they've kind of diversified risks. But in my mind, it's like with all low quality, non-professional, non-proven, you know, groups and um, you know, everyone has to start somewhere. So obviously at some point I had no team at some point you had no team, I'm guessing. Yeah. Um, so everyone starts somewhere, but picking those people early on, you have to be, you have to be extra careful, I think, because you don't know if they can walk yet. You don't know if they can, you know, survive in the jungle and, you know, do well by you. So I just think a lot of investors should be a lot more careful, you know, uh, with such things. And we find that a lot when we engage with them and start their family offices. So, you know, that's the lesson that I'm taking. The only documentary I've watched during the pandemic, I have not Netflixed and binged anything or Amazon binged anything, but I have watched uh, The Last Dance on ESPN, you know talking about the last year the Chicago Bulls uh, won the championship. And yeah. you know, one of the, the takeaway is almost identical to what you just said. So, you know, you just, sometimes it's just you need to have that one key component, the right team, discipline, focus, and execution. So going back to our edge, we're not as unusually lucky. Uh, we don't have access to any special information that other people don't. But we have discipline, <laughs> we have skill, we have a process, we repeat it, and we scale it. Right, right. Great. Well, it'll be exciting to watch you grow further. Thanks for being part of the family office club. I'm happy to keep in touch and see if there's any um, investors we work with or people in the uh, family office club that see some opportunity to joint venture with you or something else. What's the best way for someone to get in touch with you? Directly? Uh, they can um, connect with me on LinkedIn. That's an easy way. Or they can email me at partners at bridgetowergp.com. Um, I'm very, very accessible. So uh, LinkedIn or partners at gp uh, bridgetowergp.com. And uh, you'll get a pretty quick response from me. Okay, great. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it, Richard. Thank you. Take care. Bye.